Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you chose to join us today, and once again, welcome. If you're joining us for the first time, we are going to get into the Word of God today. Now, uh, I'm excited because this is actually the beginning of our new series, which is going to be entitled Covenant. And today's subtitle is going to be called Do It Anyway, for a reason you'll see as we go along in this message. But as we continue to live through the pandemic, it is a good time to reestablish the purpose and importance of biblical relationships. To do so over the next several weeks, we'll be studying the life of the Israeli hero David during a particular season of his life prior to his kingship. And in David's life, we'll see fleshed out the meaning of covenant, gaining a better understanding of God's covenant with us and the value of our covenant relationships with his people to whom he joins us. So today we're going to focus on this statement that we will better understand covenant when we know that it is meant to catalyze participation, our participation in the purposes of God. We're going to do this by breaking it down into four parts. First, talking about a picture of biblical covenant. Secondly, talking about covenant and the purposes of God. Thirdly, we're going to talk about when there is no covenant. And then finally, we're going to talk about the good news that God delivers anyway. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And through that word, we're praying that you would show us the power of the everlasting covenant that you've established with us through Jesus Christ and also the importance of our covenant relationships with one another as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start with a picture of biblical covenant. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 23. We're picking up in the life of King David at a point in his life when he was on the run from King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel who had been rejected because of his disobedience to God, and God was raising up King David as one as his successor. Now, David was previously one of the commanders of the armies of King Saul, but because of Saul's jealousy of David. Saul was threatening David's life and David was on the run from Saul and happened to meet a group of men who we'll see in this passage who would be important relationships for the rest of his life and his kingship. So let's read together today starting in verse 1. It says, Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the army of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. When Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. 
Now it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah. And Saul said, God has given him, meaning David, into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town, meaning Keilah, that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to, um, to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod, which was a mechanism for inquiring of God here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant, has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he, meaning Saul, will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah, who I just saved, surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about six hundred, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. So this is an important scripture to understanding uh, foundation and covenant. And so what is God teaching us and what can we learn from this biblical example? Well, in this passage, we see a clear picture of what it looks like when you are in covenant with people. That is an example of David and his men. You also see a clear picture of what it looks like when you're not in covenant with people, meaning David and his men with the people of Keilah. First, though, we need to understand the nature of covenant. And many of you have heard of an African proverb before, which actually said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And covenant is an ongoing commitment between two parties centered around a set of agreed upon standards or expectations. It can otherwise be known as a pact with the intent of accomplishing a common goal. Now, we have to ask ourselves the question, why, is, why are covenant relationships important in our lives? Well, the truth is, is you will always have people in life who attempt to use you for their benefit alone. And it is the gift of God and a jewel when you find people with whom you share a mutual concern and commitment. The latter are people of covenant with whom you need to build your life. And the truth of the matter is, is that it's part of the promise of the kingdom of God. Now, in this first Samuel passage, we see that David was in covenant with his men with whom he went to fight. He was not in covenant with the people of Keilah who were willing to turn him over to Saul when they were threatened. This is the difference between relationship of covenant and that which is not. Though they benefited from David's efforts, the people of Keilah showed no commitment to David or his men. David and his men, however, were committed to one another despite the difficulties of their battles and their ongoing flight from Saul. So how does that relate to covenant and the purposes of God? Well, covenant relationships are often the relationships that God uses to propel you into his kingdom purposes. And we all need relationships like these in our lives. 
but who is it that actually determines with whom we are in covenant? And this isn't a trick question. The answer is God. God is the one who determines the people with whom we should build our lives in covenant. And God introduces us to these people through life circumstances, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you have a common allegiance to our one Lord Jesus and his kingdom purposes, he brings you into covenant relationships. And those prepared for covenant, though, you need to know this, are often not the people we would choose. But in God's wisdom and sovereignty, they are the people that we need. This is the case with David and his men in this encounter at Keilah. So who were David's men? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, one chapter back in verses 1 and 2, we see the beginning of David's flight from Saul. <clears throat> and it says in verse 1 that David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he, meaning David, became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. So what a group. But David and his men may not have naturally chosen one another. They certainly would not have chosen the conditions that brought them together. Who wants to be in distress? Who wants to be in debt? Who wants to be bitter in soul? Who wants to be in the midst of a pandemic? Right. But God says, I will use these times to build covenant with me and also help you understand it and also covenant relationships with you and his people. Now, there in covenant relationships, we need to understand that these relationships, though David and his men might not have chosen the conditions or one another, they are the very relationships that God would use to build them as warriors to advance his purposes throughout the earth. But what were the characteristics of those covenant relationships between David and his men? Well, I'd like to point out to you at least three things. That when you're in covenant with people, it often looks like this. Number one, these men, David and his men, lived life together for God's heavenly call, motivated by more than just individual gain. Think about it. Number two, they traveled together while suffering in the wilderness strongholds, meaning the caves, until God brought David into his kingship. So they traveled together and even suffered together. That when David was on the run from Saul, his plight became the men's plight. And then number three, they fought together for a kingdom purpose greater than themselves. Now, you see this reflected in the New Testament um, in the missionary journeys of men like the Apostle Paul and his church planting companions in the book of Acts, who in the face of great trial and sufferings successfully spread the gospel through the hostile Roman Empire. And it's what God continues to do today through his church, even during a time like the pandemic. And God often forges covenant relationships in the midst of trial to remind us that the relationships that God builds are meant to endure. 
These covenant relationships have the capacity to overcome times of instability and constraint because they are committed to survival and advancement together. And that's good news, right? That was the case for David and his men on the run from Saul. It's our case in the midst of a pandemic. The question, though, is where has God taken you that you never expected to be? And with whom has God joined you with whom you never expected to be joined? Prayerfully answering these questions will help us make the most of the opportunities for covenant relationships that God has given us. But what, is ha what happens when there is no covenant? Well, our covenant relationships catalyze our participation in the purposes of God when we prefer to go in the opposite direction. And how many of you, with even thinking about a great feat, have ever had somebody who was in relationship with you who propelled you to do the right thing when you wanted to go in the opposite direction? I can think of countless individuals in my life in the kingdom of God that have been beneficial for, to that end for me. And in the first Samuel passage, David's men certainly would not have chosen to fight the battle at Keilah. They were already frayed with the instability of their own affairs and they were living in their own version of the stresses and emotions emotional toil that's similar to what many of us are experiencing now during the pandemic. So how could they possibly have the bandwidth to think about the mission of going to save Kela? Well, Though David would initially learn strategy in battle as one of the favorite commanders of King Saul's army, he would learn about the faith-filled, merciful, and enduring leadership that it would take to lead a nation of all types at the cave of Adullam. And in the midst of their trial, the rescue of Keilah was a part of David and his men fulfilling God's kingdom purposes for them. But why was Keilah, of all places, why was Keilah important? Well, it was a city that meant citadel situated in the lowlands of Judah. And Keilah was part of the territory of Israel that the enemies of God, the Philistines, were ransacking and which God wanted to deliver. <clears throat> David readily recognized this because of the covenant God established with the people of Israel by his word, promising to be both their protector and provider as the Israelites lived in obedience in the land to which he had called them. The suffering of the people of Keilah was important to the Lord, and so the battle became important to David and his men. And this is why we encourage you to read your word every day, to pray every day, to be in fellowship with the people of God every day, because sometimes we forget what's really important until we remember through God's word what's important to him, and therefore what's important to God can once again, through our covenant with him and us others he gives us in our lives become important to us again as well. Now, David, when he remembered what was important to God, rose up in faith and stirred his men to take action. And as our covenant relationships propel us in the purposes of God, they also continually remind us of the good news that our God is a deliverer. Yet before David did anything and experienced the deliverance of God, he looked to God in his word and through prayer to get the Lord's specific direction of how it should be done. And this needs to be our practice as well.
Well, why do we need to be those who are, even when we know the will of the Lord, continually going to him in prayer? Well, when we do, this will allow Jesus and not our preferences to be the one who define our relationships and our involvements. And when we would prefer to remain in our caves, it gives room for God to call us out. And I thank God for the people in my life who remind me of, even in trying times, the eternal purposes of God to win the lost, make disciples, and expand the influence of God's kingdom throughout the known world. Now, when we have these moments in our life where we come to a place of being catalyzed to the purposes of God by the covenant relationships that we have, the good news is that God doesn't change his mind even when we need the reassurance of his plan going repeatedly to him in prayer. And we learn from David's interaction with his men that we are not to make decisions based purely on what we feel in the natural. God calls us to advance whether or not there is resistance and even when conditions don't feel right. You have to remember when they were turning to save Keilah, they said, we already feel afraid because we're on the run from Saul. How can we do anything else right now? We already feel the pressure and the emotional strain of the confinement of the pandemic. How can we think about doing anything outside of our home? Well, the good news is God's a deliverer. And this is why years later, by the Holy Spirit, David's son, King Solomon, would write this in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. He said, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Solomon understood by the example of his father that many of God's promises are obtained with a struggle and that we realize these promises by faith and endurance as the Lord works through our efforts and on our behalf. God uses covenant relationships to teach us how to carry our crosses, allowing the mentality of relationships on my terms to die. We learn how to consider others' interests above our own in covenant relationships and the good of the whole group rather than just the part, the good of our city and not just our home. Covenant relationships teach us how ultimately not to live selfishly. And though contrary to our feelings, relating this way actually provides strength in relationships. Because of their covenant, David and his men were able to enter the battle of Keilah in the strength of their commitment to God and to one another. Yet we need to also look at the other side of things. What did it look like when there was no covenant? When there is no covenant, you never know what to expect and you never know what might happen in your relationships. And that's a horrible, unstable place to live. Why were the people of Keilah ready to give up David and his men who had fought to rescue them from the hands of the Philistines? It was because they were willing to benefit from David's service, but they had no covenant with him. And in the previous chapter of 1 Samuel, we see that King Saul had literally destroyed the priest of Nob because they had unknowingly aided David and his men in their flight from Saul's murderous pursuits. So how much more would King Saul and his army do to the people of Keilah when they came for David. 
because there was no covenant, when the people of Keilah were threatened or their relationship with David was no longer personally advantageous, they were willing to give up David and his men to the hands of Saul to secure their own stability. Yet this is not biblical covenant. Yet most people today wouldn't even take issue with what the people of Keilah did. They'd say, of course, what's the big deal? Look out for you and yours. The problem, however, is when we think in a short-term manner in relationships, there may be momentary gain, but long-term loss in what we experience in the kingdom. What is unsaid here is that by the commitment to David and his men being unreciprocated, the people of Keilah were leaving themselves exposed to the future attacks of the enemy, in their case, who were the Philistines. Biblical covenant, though, is what David and his men expressed to one another, fighting together, advancing together, and eventually, as God fulfilled his promise to David to put him on the throne of Israel, thriving together. So the question again is, who have you developed these types of relationships with for God's kingdom purposes? And most importantly, how does this apply to our lives in Christ? Well, the good news is that even in the midst of people's faithfulness, God delivers anyway. And like David, Jesus is our great leader whom we follow in the covenant that he established for us through his death on the cross. We follow Jesus even in times of displacement and trial until the ultimate coronation of Christ upon his return. We have the strength to do this by the power of his Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Yet God has not left us alone in the flesh. He's given us the gift of himself in the Holy Spirit that comes to make a home in every believer. But he's also given us, like David's mighty men, covenant relationships through his church, with his people. And in the time between Christ's first ascension, after his resurrection from the dead, and final return, Jesus commands us to do good, regardless of other people's responses. That's what they, David and his men had to learn with the people of Keilah. And we see throughout scripture that God initiates covenant with people who end up being faithful, faithless to him at times. Yet because of his grace, God delivers anyway. And I know that I'm here because of that truth, that even when I'm faithless, God is faithful and he chose to deliver me anyway. I wasn't looking for God, but God came looking for me. And in my distress, he came to save me and he's come to save many of you today and strengthen those who've already made commitments to him. Just as in the case of Keilah, there is a better David, King Jesus, who fights to save us even before we've shown any faithfulness to him. And this is what Jesus was describing about himself in John chapter 10, a very familiar passage whenever he's talking about himself as the good shepherd. And he says this in verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
I, meaning Jesus, am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And Jesus is here using the language of covenant commitment. Now, the most important thing that we can learn from the first Samuel passage, watching David shepherd his men, is elements of God's covenant with us through Jesus. And through Christ's sinless life and sacrificial death on the cross, Jesus took the punishment for our wrongdoing. So he took the onus and the weight of the pl our plights on himself providing the means for us to establish covenant with God. It means that though we were in distress, we're in insurmountable debt before God because of our sins and bitter in soul because of the harshness of life, Jesus came to save us anyway. And by his resurrection from the dead, he allows and invites a turnaround that those who would repent of their sin might not only be forgiven, but come into covenant with him to be reshaped as mighty men and women. Think about David who met the men in Adullam and they were beat down in debt, in distress, but they were turned into the mighty men who would help him extend his kingdom all throughout the land. That's what God does for us through Jesus, through his gospel. And just as David had been anointed king of Israel by God, so Jesus has been anointed king of all kings and Lord of all lords. Yet just as there was a time between David's anointing and his ascension to the throne, so there's time now in between Christ's exaltation by his resurrection from the dead and his final judgment when he's coming to restore all things. So what is Jesus, like David, doing during this time? Well, just as David had his mighty men, so Jesus has his church. And just as G David chose through the strength of his relationship with these men to save Keilah, despite Keilah's faithlessness, so Jesus comes to save a world where only the few will gain eternal life through Calvary's grace. Not because he doesn't want it, but because many reject his gospel invitation. And Jesus called his followers to covenant with him and one another to catalyze gospel work, regardless of what you think the world's response might be. 
So what is our kila in our day and what can we do? Well, our kilas are the cities in which we live and it's people who are being besieged by our adversary, the devil. For the Israelites, it was the Philistines. For us, it is literally the devil. Yet even during times of seeming uncertainty, we are grounded in stability because of our covenant with Jesus and one another. And we have nothing to fear for we know our future destiny in Christ and have nothing but hope to offer the world. So from that place of confidence, we can engage even virtually in such things as our each one reach one campaign. And so what is that campaign? It's literally you choosing to download a free app from the app store, which is a discipleship guide, a tool in your hand, helping you even virtually to start intentional conversations with those who you love and for whom you've been praying, who like the people of Kila are being ransacked and are in distress during this time of the pandemic. And as they hear the good news of Jesus, God is able to deliver just like he delivered the people of Kila. And in this place, we can also invite people with you to services and weekly community groups to experience the same deliverance that you've experienced and the same deliverance that God brought to Kila. But people often abandon God's kingdom purposes because in their past, they've somehow been burnt by relationships in which they've invested for which they fought and bled, and it discourages them from going forward. That was a temptation for David and his men after they delivered Keilah not to go forward because of the lack of appreciation or lack of commitment that the people of Keilah showed to them. However, as we look to God, we are reminded of his eternal covenant with us, the strength of the covenant relationships he offers us with his people, and we rise in faith Anyway, we're able to remember the famous poem. It's actually a poem called Do It Anyway by Mother Teresa that hangs on the wall of our home. And she reminds us how to rise in faith in the trust of God's everlasting covenant and the strength of the covenant relationships that we have with one another to catalyze his purposes. And in that poem, she said this, that people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God, with whom you have covenant, It was never between you and them anyway. 
So the reality is, is that as this pandemic continues, we are in the throes of a life-altering societal shift. Yet God is using this time to develop and reinforce lifelong covenant relationships that will catalyze the purposes of God in your life. Just as David and his men in the time of trial saw the deliverance of Keilah, so God will save many during our pandemic as we choose to be about Christ's purposes anyway. So let's reflect again on the picture of biblical covenant. Understand how it catalyzes the purposes of God. Understand the shortcomings of life without covenant. And then finally understand that God delivers anyway. And if you hear this today and you say, you know what? I've never started a relationship, much less a covenant with Almighty God. But I hear his good news and I want to be saved from my sins and come into covenant with him today. I want to first start by praying for you. Would you repent of your sin today and turn to him praying this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you that I've been a rebel and I've lived selfishly for my own ends and my own glory. And I know because I've broken your commands, you, holy God, deserve to judge me and I deserve death and hell. But I don't want it and I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you sent Jesus to, to live the sinless life that I should have lived and on the cross die the sacrificial death I should have died. But because he was sinless, you raised him three days later from the dead so I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in you. Would you please make me a new creation today? I proclaim Jesus as my Lord, and I'm asking you to show me how to walk out this covenant relationship with you and your people from this time forward. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer, God said that he made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but the next steps of how you can walk out this new life in Christ in covenant with God and also his people. Now, as we go throughout the week, again, we're asking you to consider joining our virtual community groups and you can find information for that along with resources on online at secondcitychurch.com. So we look forward to seeing you this week in our community groups, next week with a friend at our virtual service. And until then, God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. We love you.